Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Becky Vivi in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is WBEZ's weekly news recap. Today on The Recap, this week marked one year since officials acknowledged we were dealing with a global pandemic. President Biden spoke about it seriously. Finding light in the darkness is a very American thing to do. While late night hosts tried to make a smile. It's also the one year anniversary of the first time I Lysoled a banana. Confusion over changes at the United Center vaccination site. FEMA decided to change the rules. When federal authorities saw that the majority of appointments were coming from the suburbs. And Congress passes the $1.9 trillion COVID relief package. They have a huge job to do to make sure that the American people know what this bill means for them and what's coming next. Joining us to break down those stories and more this week, WBEZ's criminal justice reporter, Patrick Smith. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Becky. Also with us is Don Rhodes, senior editor at Block Club Chicago. Hi, Don. Hi, Becky. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Thanks to both of you for being here. We have a lot to cover. Let's jump right into it. So the big news of the week is Congress passing this stimulus package, $1.9 trillion. The president signed the bill yesterday, and stimulus checks of around $1,400 can be expected as early as this weekend. Illinois Senators Tammy Duckworth and Dick Durbin said the legislation is key to helping Illinois heal from the impacts of the pandemic. Patrick, let's unpack this a little bit. How important is this aid for Illinois, and how much are we talking yeah, well, if, if you listen to you know our officials, it's hugely important. Under the plan, a little more than $13 billion is wow. earmarked for state and local funding in Illinois. Uh, $1.8 billion for Chicago, $7.5 billion for the state government. And one big thing that, that Governor Pritzker highlighted actually when he was on WBEZ earlier this week was the fact that there's $275 million for vaccine distribution efforts here in Illinois and $1.5 billion for testing. I'm kind of putting two things together. There's all this money for helping the economy, helping pay down debts. And there's also all this money to help continue in the fight against the coronavirus. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, WBEZ spoke earlier this week to Governor J.B. Pritzker about this package and what it means. Let's listen to what he had to say. We unfortunately had to go several billion dollars into debt to cover uh, the challenges that we saw at the very earliest part of this pandemic. Uh, And then there have been areas of revenue where we've seen losses. And then in addition to that, our bill backlog arose uh, in part because of expenses related to COVID-19. I want to get to some of the COVID-19 money with you, Don, in a second. But Patrick, first, let's touch on what the governor said here in terms of shoring up Illinois' finances. Is it going to be enough or are we in, in still a lot of financial trouble here in Illinois? Well, I think it depends what kind of financial trouble you're talking about. You know, I mean, Governor Pritzker has said that one of his first priorities is going to be using some of that federal money to repay a, a, a loan that the state took out at the start of COVID that was almost $3 billion. He said, we're going to pay that back. And so obviously, you know, considering how much money is earmarked for the state, it does sound like the state will be getting enough to pay back maybe that initial loan. Now, as far as the bill backlog, that was already, as you 
very well know, probably most listeners very well know, <laughs> the bill backlog was already a big issue in Illinois before COVID-19. Uh, I don't imagine that this is going to like permanently solve a problem that has been vexing the state for years now, maybe decades. But the other thing is there are signs that there's an economic recovery going on in Illinois as well. So that could also help pay down some of that debt and help the state get in a better financial situation. Right. Don, let's talk about the vaccine distribution money and the additional testing money. Uh, $1.5 billion for testing, $275 million for vaccine distribution. We had a rough week with vaccine distribution. (laughs) Um, But what are your thoughts just about those amounts and what they will do to helping with the vaccine rollout here in Illinois? Sure. I mean, the main problem, uh, I mean, one of the main problems is just that Dr. Arwadi from the Chicago Department of Public Health has been saying again and again is that there just aren't enough vaccines. Mm -hmm. So Governor Pritzker was reacting to what President Biden was saying about rolling out vaccines for all adults by May. And, you know, our response locally is, oh, yeah, we would love to do that, but we need more shots to make that happen. So if the Stimulus, I mean, if the money is going to facilitate that, then great. But it kind of it kind of de- depends on how are we getting that supply from the feds to Illinois, to Chicago, and to suburban Cook County. Mm-hmm. Don, let's touch on the United Center mass vaccination site, which opened this week. And I'm wondering if you could do a, a quick download about. What were all the glitches that were going on there, you know, starting really last Sunday? Yeah, well, even a little bit before that, I mean, the glitches started on Thursday when when the appointments opened. We saw right from the get-go that ZocDoc was really malfunctioning and people weren't able to book appointments. That went on for probably about a half hour, maybe 45 minutes, where the site would kind of bounce them back and wouldn't actually allow them to book appointments. But Really, the larger problem has been just these shifting rules about who's eligible to get vaccinated at the United Center, because that's continually changed throughout the week. Mm -hmm. And that was a big problem on Sunday as well. Very last minute, less than an hour before those appointments opened, the announcement came down that only Chicagoans would be able to sign up through ZocDoc. And that was the only way to sign up at the time before that people 65 and older, but anybody in Illinois could sign up. Mm-hmm. And then now all of a sudden, it's only Chicagoans. Mm-hmm. And there was no information for suburban Cook County people, for Illinoisans, where are they going to sign up? What were their options? Around midweek, we found out that some UC appointments were being reserved for Chicagoans in certain zip codes in yeah. the south and west side, but there was no announcement from yeah. the city about that. Yeah, that really, was... the tribe shout out to them because they found a city flyer and they started sharing that on social media. And that's kind of how we found out about it. As of today, are there still appointments available at the United Center? And if so, who do they go to? Who's eligible? And how do you book? It's a little tricky because, <laughs> I mean, because I actually don't know the answer to that. I'm not, I don't believe there are. And I think that we're still waiting to find out who can still sign up for, you know, when are more uh, slots going to open up. It's really not clear. Right. Now, the city says they're on track to move into the next group of people eligible by the end of March. That includes any Chicago and 16 and older with underlying medical con- conditions, as well as mm-hmm. other essential workers like people who work in restaurants and people in the media like us and yeah. public, other public safety and higher education teachers. Patrick, what do you think about that next phase opening up, you know, in a couple weeks here, and also about the president saying by May 1st, everyone should be able to to get vaccinated. I honestly find the messaging kind of confusing because on the one hand, you're hearing from local leaders, and I think it's true, you know, you were mentioning it, that 
we don't have enough vaccine, that this national goal of May sounds great, but but are we actually going to have enough vaccine here in Illinois or here in Chicago to give it to people? And then you also see this where we're expanding the eligibility. I start to wonder, well, does that is that an indication that we're getting more vaccine? Is it an indication that people who are eligible now aren't taking it? But it doesn't sound like that's the case because there's such a high demand at all of the city locations. But I have to admit, you look at other states, like Michigan actually just announced that on April 5th, anyone who's an adult will be eligible, which to me is an indication that obviously things are going more smoothly, you know, in one of our not quite neighboring states, but our state across the lake as just one example. Mm -hmm. And you wonder, like, is there something we're doing wrong here in Illinois or is it just, you know, we have so many people here in the Chicago region and, and we're just not getting enough vaccine from the federal government. I consider myself a pretty informed news consumer, find it uh, a little bit hard to figure out what the message really is meant to be from our, our local leadership. That's WBEZ's Patrick Smith. Also along for the recap this week is Dawn Rhodes of Block Club Chicago. Patrick, Dawn, let's move on to some other stories. Stories like these. City lawmakers are now working on plans to potentially bring back the big events that we all know and love. I believe that the summer of 2021 is going to look more like 2019 and less like 2020. New hairstyles and maternity flight suits. Pregnant women are going to fight our wars. It's a mockery of the U.S. military. Senator Tammy Duckworth, she said the following on Twitter, F. Tucker Carlson. Superintendent David Brown says it appears the officer died by suicide. The second officer suicide this week. Let's start with the story of suicides inside the Chicago Police Department. Patrick, can you talk about what went on this week and what Superintendent Brown said about it? You know, has been mentioned, we had the two officers died by suicide in one week. And actually the hiring of Alexa James as this new wellness advisor, uh, that conversation started last summer when a really high ranking police officer, uh, Deputy Chief Dion Boyd, died by suicide. He was a 30 year veteran, had had two children. And that was, I think, I don't think it's fair to say it's a wake up call because, as Dom was saying, this is something that the, the city has been dealing with for years now. The department had. Uh, a couple years ago had just a really elevated levels of suicide. I do think it's important to note these suicides are so tragic. They give us a moment to think about, you know, the pressure that's being put on police officers and whether or not they're getting enough support. But they are not the only sign of whether or not there are struggles, you know, and that one thing I was talking to Alexa James earlier this week, and she said, you know, we need to do a better job of of assessing the mental wellness of our officers overall so that we can figure out when people need help well before you get to something obviously as horrific and tragic. One thing that Alexa was telling me, you know, she's worked with the police department for a long time Mm -hmm. as a partner. You know, this is an incredibly hard time to be a police officer. And that's not to, I don't mean to take away from, from the things that have been raised by advocates and what the protests were about last summer. But if you think about for a police officer, the elevated levels of violence, being on the front lines of COVID-19 and the, the protests, this is an especially tense time to be a police officer. And obviously the city is starting to see that, that they need a lot more support. Alexa James says that's going to be her job is to try to sort of unify things within the department and make sure that officers are getting the support that they need so they can do their job as best they can and also, you know, so, so that they will be well themselves. Right, right. And as we, you know, I mean, to touch on the, that it's the fraying broader social safety net that police become the responder. They are there to respond always to everything and in and, and communities that, you know, maybe have lost other mental health supports or, you know, they've lost schools or uh, I can think of a million things. But 
Patrick, besides hiring Alexa James, what else is CPD saying they're going to put in place to get cops the help they need? One thing that's interesting to me, you know, the department has talked about, and they have, I will say, they have done a lot over the last few years of expanding mental health support. They've added a lot of counselors. And one thing that Alexa James says is a goal for her is to get a counselor, you know, a mental health professional in every district within CPD. That she said that they were out there at districts, you know, after officers died by suicide and that they heard from people saying, it's great that you guys are here now, but we really wish you were here all the time. And it's really the next step when you look at what the department has done recently with adding the number of counselors and and trying to improve its counseling services for officers. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to turn to another story, this one about universal basic income. Yesterday on the show, we talked about a universal basic income program being launched in Gary, Indiana. There, 125 eligible residents will be receiving $500 monthly payments for a year with no strings attached. Now, some aldermen in Chicago are pushing for a similar initiative. Don, tell us the story there. Yeah, you mentioned Gary and a few other cities um, across the country have either done this or are planning to do something like this. And the details are a little bit sketchy at this point. We just don't know uh, exactly how much the three aldermen are suggesting for a particular check for how long or how many people. All, all those details are not exactly finalized at this point. But at least the suggestion, a rough suggestion, is same thing as you were saying for Gary, $500 a month and 5,000 Chicago families for one year. Mm-hmm. That would be an investment of about $30 million. Wow. And did they say where the funding would come from? That's still we're being worked out, too. But one of the reasons they are pushing this now is because of the federal stimulus. And they do want to take funding from federal grants, private partnerships. And it's Alderman uh, Gilbert Villegas was saying that this is a good opportunity for us to be bold and try a pilot program like this on the heels of what is it about one point nine billion that Chicago is supposed to get in federal stimulus. Right. And that's a proposal from, like you said, Alderman Gilbert Villegas. Alderwoman Maria Haddon and Alderwoman Sophia King. Um, Let's jump to another story. You know, Mayor Lightfoot this week said she's very optimistic about resuming summer activities in Chicago. Patrick, do you think it's likely we're going to have Taste of Chicago or Lollapalooza or even, you know, the smaller neighborhood street festivals? It does seem like the city is moving in that direction. I mean, especially if the national plan to have everyone vaccinated by May 1st If that really happens, I would think that. And it does seem like the mayor and the city are pushing to try to make sure that we can have these these events. I mean, I'm sure it helps with, uh, well, one thing, it just helps with a sense of of normalcy for for Chicago residents. The question that I have about whether or not they're going to happen, I mean, obviously, we don't know for sure whether they happen. But even if they do, are people going to go? I'm not sure that I will feel comfortable. I, I, you know, it's hard to say, but are people going to feel comfortable packing into a place even if most people have the vaccine, to go from the life that we're all living now to then in a few months just being packed in together at the Taste of Chicago or something like that, to me, sounds like a real culture shock. I do wonder, I guess it could kind of go one of two ways, right? Either people will feel nervous to, to go out or everyone's going to be just have been missing this and craving this, that that every single one of these events will just be swarmed with people who are trying to make up for lost time. Yeah, that's tricky to know. And I think that Patrick's right. I think a lot of people are going to end up having to you know, make their own call and their own risk assessment, especially depending on their own health. But I can tell you, at least now, 
Like uh, some neighborhood festivals have already decided that they're not going to even try it. But Summerfest and Andersonville, they've canceled their festival because they, they, I think they were scheduled to go from June to August. They've already canceled theirs. The Logan Square Art Festival has already canceled this year's edition. So they're not even going to bother. <laughs> so this Summerfest is a little bit different. But I mean, those are that's not Taste of Chicago. <laughs> you know, that's not mm-hmm. Lala. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even if we get to June, July, and we have the majority of people vaccinated, I mean, health officials have been pretty clear that doesn't mean that we don't need to social distance, that we don't need to keep taking precautions, because we still don't know exactly what transmission can still look like after vaccination. There's still a risk there. They, they still are saying that we're going to probably have to continue wearing masks through 2021. So even if vaccination is rolled out much more broadly by the summertime, you know, we're not totally out of the woods yet. And there's always that uh, segment of people that cannot get vaccinated for a variety of reasons. So yeah. I think the backyard 4th of July barbecue with a few family members is, is more my speed than um, than heading down to Lollapalooza. But, you know, we'll see where we're at, I guess, when we get to the numbers later this summer. I, I do want to jump back to another story related to the police department. Chicago's Deputy Inspector General Deborah Witzberg said yesterday the department suffers from a, quote, enormous deficit of trust that is getting in the way of police reform. Patrick... You've covered this a ton. What is the deputy IG referring to and what are her suggestions for restoring public trust? Well, sadly, she could be referring to any number of things. Uh, You know, the department is way behind. The city is way behind on its police reform obligations that are in the consent decree, which I don't think helps with public trust. The most recent thing was it was Inspector General's report looking into how the city and the department handled the unrest this summer and basically found that they did a terrible job handling it, put police officers in positions where they were physically confronting protesters without any bigger plan, didn't have a good way of handling uh, mass arrests, all sorts of things that were just just a real failure of leadership, according to the inspector general. And, you know, uh, what she says is necessary is, is more transparency and sort of more honesty from city government, that the city and the police department needs to say, yes, we're struggling with some of these things. Here's what we're doing to make them better. And I will say, you know, the department has rolled out certain things that you can track their their consent decree progress. But I think in other ways, you see that there's not enough transparency around this and not enough sort of honest accounting by city leaders. For instance, in this IG report on handling of the mass unrest, they deal with the raising of the bridges. That's just one example. There are a bunch of police leaders quoted in, in that IG report who said that did not help things. That made things more chaotic. They made them unsafe. But after that report came out, Mayor Lightfoot just said, no, we made the right decision and I would do it again. Hmm. And, and, and there's no sort of reckoning with whether or not that was actually the right choice. I will say one thing that Deborah Whitsberg talked about was that this lack of trust is not just citizens to police. It's also police officers about their own department. And I think that's something you hear a lot from police officers. And that is its own big problem that the city needs to address. Mm-hmm. Before I let you guys go, we have had some very fantastic weather in recent weeks, unseasonably warm. But now the forecast has Illinois cooling down this weekend with highs in the mid 40s. Dawn, are you bummed or did you expect this as as a longtime Chicagoan? Well, I mean, I've lived here for 12 years now, and so I've got, I've gotten used to the second winter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, second winter is which is normalized this in our brains. That's a real that's a real thing. You think like okay, we've gotten out of the woods and oh, yeah, yeah, it's springtime, and then 
Yeah. Yeah, no, snow dumps on us. Yeah. Yep, we got snow coming on Monday. Uh, Patrick, what about you? How are you feeling? Uh, well, there's a difference between knowing rationally something's going to happen and being okay with it emotionally, right? <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I'm not okay with it. That's WBEZ criminal justice reporter Patrick Smith. Also with us, Dawn Rhodes, senior editor of Block Club Chicago. Patrick, Dawn, thanks for being here today on The Recap. And that's WBEZ's weekly news recap. Join us each week for a deep dive into the biggest local and state stories of the week. And don't forget about the podcast world's best weekly Q&A around the pandemic and the vaccine rollout with Dr. Mia Taramina. You'll find that Sunday morning right here in this feed. For Sasha Ann Simons and the entire Reset team, I'm Becky Vivi. Thanks for listening to the weekly news recap from Reset and WBEZ Chicago. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.